WGR Sports Radio 550 presents. Plus, I really just missed Derek's face. I. It's not even 11:01. You're lying to everyone already. By Come the on. way, Sports Talk Saturday. I will disinfect this, by the way. But that was my mustache rubbing up against the. Uh, on WGR. Okay, for everyone microphone. that didn't get to see that and just heard it and it was already. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> Just know that it was worse for me. Sports Radio 550. Stashes are in. Stashes are in, and I got a stash back. I it, it is still one of the most accursed things that has ever happened to this show. Don't do Sorry, Howard. Um I also didn't mean what I said in that earlier as well, which was that I missed your face. No, which is yeah. just in part of it it says it's eleven oh one, you're already lying to everyone. Yeah. I called you out immediately for you that. You did. Yeah, you did. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, uh, no, we, I we, wanted to play it because uh, you have your stupid mustache back. We, and uh, the open is called Nate's Stupid Mustache. Right. Right. That's true. That, 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 and it, as it should be. We got we got John Scott. Is he ready? Is he ready to go? John Scott, he's, he's good to go. I may uh, be obnoxious, but I am a professional. He told me, uh, just, just, as, just as a preface, uh, John told me that if you hear him uh, during the course of this interview uh, get up and yell or scream, it's because uh, Ohio State scores. So luckily, I told him we probably won't have to worry about him doing that because uh, they probably won't be scoring too much. It is, it is actually looking pretty nasty out there. It's cold. It's snowy. C.J. Stroud, like he's, he's, he's the next big thing, huh, John? He is, which is amazing. The way he looked the first game, two, three games, he was really having issues. He's sailing balls a lot. Um, he was incredibly highly recruited, one out against other highly recruited guys. And since then, I would argue he's, he's the front runner right now for the Heisman. As he should. Well, I, the the kid from Bama is playing pretty unbelievable ball, Bryce Young. I mean, he's, he's a pretty un- unbelievable player in his own right. But I agree. I mean, he's... I think this game probably can do it for him, but if 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 Bryce Young goes out and balls and beats Georgia in the SEC championship game, I think you could pretty much give him um, the Heisman Trophy. But I digress. Let's let's move into the NFL. I'm sure you and people don't want to hear. Listen, I, I'll say this right now, and I'll die on this: is this is, there's one game, there's one day a year that I'm an Ohio State fan, and that is today, as I want to watch them bury Michigan in the in the big house. Like I just I would I would like to watch that happen. Um, so today. You and I are in solidarity, my friend, but at like 3.45, 4 o'clock, it's going out the window, uh, just so you know. Um, so, <laughs> listen, John, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of at this weird place um, with everything that has happened over – or that, everything that's transgressed since the end of that football game on Thursday night to now. I, obviously, we know a lot more. Tredavious White, ACL, he's out for the season. What from that game, if anything, can you take? Because – I, I maybe want to recognize that the defense for New Orleans had most of their pieces short of Marcus Davenport's a good player, but he's not Cam Jordan. He is not the facilitator that 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 keeps that defense rolling. That is a good defense the Bills put 31 on. But that offense was I mean, that's little league stuff. I mean, Simeon was terrible in that football game. They had I I there was a running back from Notre Dame that I had never heard of, John. Uh, I'd never heard of that kid that, that they were turning around and hand the ball off. So what, if anything, are you taking from that game other than, man, this sucks about Trey White? Honestly, I, I was saying afterwards, the Bills just did what they needed to do. I'm not really taking much from the game. To your point, it was a wildly undermanned offense, and Davenport has been their best pass rusher. I, Jordan's getting up there a little in age. He's still effective, but Davenport's 
really ascending a few years now into the league. I know like Marshawn Lattimore and their secondary was still there. Uh, and it was nice to see the Bills get back to doing things that the Bills do. Was it perfect? No. But coming off of the performance that they had just four days prior against the Colts, they just needed to look more like the Bills of old. And I think they did that while also recognizing that it was against a team that they should have beat. But I'll, I'll add to that, they should have beat the Jags. And I, I still believe they still should have beat Pittsburgh. So there are teams that they are better at, better than, and more talented than, but they haven't accomplished that goal. So that's why I think that's what I'm taking away is the Bills just righted the ship a bit. Yeah, and listen, I, I think that at the end of the day, the Bills could have lost that game on Thursday night and won on next Monday night, and they'd be pretty much in the same position they are right now because it's an NFC team and they didn't – Monday night is what everyone's looking at. And listen, the loss of Trey White, there's no – there, there is no replacing. I think everyone can agree that no one is coming in to save this defense and, and is going to take the place of Tredavious White. But, like, I guess part of my argument about what I think hurts so much about this defense, losing Trey White, John, is that the ripple effect, right? Like, think about all of the disguised coverages that Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are able to do freely because they have a lockdown corner shadowing and locking down the team's number one wide receiver. This isn't just about losing a player. It's about losing confidence as a coach to be able to call the game the same way. It's about, you know, we, we talked about the issues this offensive line has been having, and part of the reason Mitch Morse has had so many issues is that he's got to cover for two guys on the right and left of him, and when you have to do your job and two other guys' jobs as well, that makes that puts you out of position. And that, So I'm thinking about the ripple effect that the, that the loss of Trey White has, and I wonder where you believe his loss maybe impacts the most. Is it the way that Leslie Frazier is going to call the game? Is it, you know, the way that the safeties are going to have to sort of cover up some of the deficiencies that a young Dane, Dane Jackson is going to have simply based on inexperience? I think Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde are going to have to be used differently. I think schematically and the way that Leslie Frazier calls the game and Sean McDermott, the, the way they scheme things up is going to be different because, Usually it's all right, half the field is good. We'll use the rest of everybody to, to kind of go the different direction. Or, all right, we're going to face Tyreek Hill, so we'll just have Trey kind of deal with that, and that will give us all the other resources to figure out a way to minimize Travis Kelsey. Or certainly when you go up against Tampa in a couple of weeks, you got Godwin and Evans. All right, well, we could just worry about one of them because we know Trey's going to be fine. So I think it's going to be a collective effort. And in the back end, I think maybe they're going to have to utilize Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde differently because Levi Wallace has been good this season, and he's, he's really, I think, silenced some of the critics here. But now you're going with two guys that, that I don't say you need to protect or cover, but equally. The field is now equal. Everything is open there now as opposed to have the field being taken care of. So it, it's really going to put, I think, a lot of the onus on Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott to alter the way that they – handle the of that defense, and I think in turn, it, it may ultimately affect how you have to implore uh, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. John Scott here, Spectrum News on the Wester Hotline. We're talking about Trey White, uh, the loss of Trey, what it potentially means for this defense moving forward this season, and I wonder what you think of this matchup on Monday night against the Patriots, John, because I think on paper, um, I still really like the Bills' chances against this Patriots team. Rookie quarterback, and, and I, 
there's a chance, too, John, we're going to learn more about this Patriots team in their matchup tomorrow against the Tennessee Titans. I guess in a win or a loss, what do you expect to learn, if any, of this Patriots team in their performance tomorrow against the Titans team that just does not really have, I mean, no A.J. Brown in this game, no um, no Derrick Henry, obviously. I, what what could you actually gain from any game watching any team beat the Titans at this point? I mean, I think this entire season, AFC, NFC has shown that even if people are undermanned or it seems obvious, nothing is obvious. And that's well beyond even the Bills here. Tom Brady said it after his latest game, after the Bucks kind of hit the skids a little bit, including losing to New Orleans, of where I think any win this season is a good win. It just seems like it's totally a weird, very even season across the board in the NFL. So in that instance, if the Patriots can go in there and beat the Tennessee Titans, who I think at this point, sure, you would say that they are supposed to beat the Titans, with all of the reasons that you laid out. Well, if they can go in and do that, then I think that just tells me maybe the Patriots are, are more solid than we gave them credit initially. Yeah, they beat up on some teams. I mean, the Browns game was a complete disaster for Cleveland, and we know what Cleveland's dealing with as well, and they went in and they smoked them. And so it's, it's just like the Bills going into New Orleans. Yeah, they should beat New Orleans. Is New Orleans awful? No, but they're the better team. Did they – the scoreboard indicate truly how much they dominated that game in totality? No. So for me, I think I'll learn from tomorrow against uh, Tennessee and, and New England that New England is, is more of a legitimate contender if they can go in and just take care of business as they're supposed to against the Titans. John, I, I want to ask you a little bit about the running game, but which I think is starting to come around a little bit. I know if you, if you look at just the raw volume statistics from that game, Brita and Singletary end up with 2.9 yards per carry. That's not that's not standing out to anybody here. Um, but I think as a team, as a whole, their running game opened up some things. And 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 there's no doubt in my mind, John, that Brita's presence in the lineup is changing their confidence as a team, not just as a play caller in Brian Dable or or if you're you know Sean McDermott, but if you're the offensive line, if you're Josh Allen, and you're those receivers who are under, and really I think the offensive line and the receivers are under a different level of pressure than maybe we're, we're appreciating because of their lack of ability to run the football. I, I just have the feeling that there's there, there's been a new maybe wave of confidence in this offense, and I think a lot of it's been facilitated by Matt Breida's play. Well, just think about it. My biggest issue dating back to the selection of Zach Moss was had nothing to do with Zach Moss, the player. It's the skill sets of Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are very, very similar. So when you bring one in or the other, defenses can play the exact same way. You're not forcing their hand to account for something different. That's where, where Matt Breida comes in. He's a different back than Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. He has speed. He can get out onto the edge. We see what he could do in the receiving game, even though I don't think Singletary and Moss are, are bad in that instance. It's Brita is a different cat in the receiving game. And so now defenses have to alter depending upon who's in the game. And I think that that, while maybe it seems small, you're just adding something to the plate that changes the dynamic. Also, even if Brita's not getting the ball, they have to account for his speed, which maybe alters things underneath. That'll open it up for Cole Beasley or it'll open it up for Dawson Knox, especially in the red zone as well. So I, I just think in general, 
having a skill set, a speed element added to that ground game and that position in general is really what they're benefiting from. Yeah, and and I wonder what your thoughts are about John the this season as it pertains to Zach Moss. And and maybe not just the season, but into the future past the season, where where do you believe this team stands with him? Because, I mean, this is sort of kind of, I, I guess this last game in New Orleans on Thanksgiving was sort of a line in the sand, right? Like, if it worked, which I, I want to at least say that it worked a little bit. I mean, pulling him out of the lineup, it's not like they ran for 250 yards on Thursday night and they looked like the best running team in the league and they just looked different. But... They certainly looked more explosive. It's it's very obvious to me that Singletary and Breeden need to be the guys carrying the rock. So is he inactive the rest of the way? Is that what this looks like? And is he maybe in trouble for this team moving forward? I definitely see no reason why he should be active moving forward. I know sometimes the thought was, one, he's a power back at the goal line. Well, that hasn't been overly successful in short yardage. And then you add into that, People talked about his pass protection. I don't think Devin Singletary's atrocious or bad in that instance either. So I see no reason to go back to Zach Moss. Devin Singletary had 2.9 yards. is one of the worst games he's had all season. Before that, entering the game on Thursday, he'd only had two games below four yards a carry. And that's honestly all you need. It's just, again, run it more effectively, don't run it more. And him averaging four, five yards a carry – is what, is what you need. I think Singletary has, has been far superior the back from Zach Moss, dating back all the way uh, in the training camp when Moss is even battling injuries. And now you project forward to, to the offseason. I mean, I think if there's smoke there of, of the interest of potentially a, a guy like a Travis Etienne, I think the breeder role is what they would have envisioned yeah. in potentially making that pick. And again, Zach Moss and Devin Singletary are the same back, in my yep. opinion. For Agreed. The part. And, and Singletary has been more effective. So I don't know what they do there because Breida is going to be a free agent. Do they address running back in the draft again and, and just maybe go for a different skill set? Maybe. But again, he's, a, he's on a third-round contract, which isn't impossible to get away from. You just wouldn't particularly want to. Um, so that that will be interesting. You also then bring into account Singletary would be entering his fourth season, so he'd be up after the 2022 season. Now you're kind of juggling. All right, well we got an extra year of a you know controlled, reasonable contract with Moss. What do we do with with Singletary? I, I think it's it's an interesting conversation for after the season and in the off season. But I think this year. Uh, rest of the way, barring an injury, I think Zach Moss will be a healthy scratch. John Scott here of Spectrum News on the Western Hotline. We're talking about the Bills and moving into this Monday night matchup, John. I, I'm how how much should people really buy into this New England Patriots team from what you've seen from them thus far this year? I, I think that they are a team that is winning with really good defense and a quarterback that's a game manager. And I think if the, if the Bills can find a way to make Mac Jones, I, and I think this for any team, I think any team that can make Mac Jones be more than a game manager, I think has a recipe to beat that team. I, I just think at this point, John, over the last five weeks, no one has been able to do that because their running game has been so effective and their offensive line is healthy and it's dominant and their defense is pressuring offenses and getting them behind the sticks early on in, in, in down. So I think for me... 
their their recipe. Whereas I believe the Bills are still trying to find their recipe, right? They're still trying to find their their formula to win football games regularly and consistently. Whereas it's very obvious to me, John, that the Patriots found their formula and are now perfecting that. Where I, I think that's what makes maybe Bills fans a little nervous about where the Patriots are. The Bills are still trying to find that formula, and now. You you got to throw out Trey White, and now you're searching for a formula even more than you were prior. I'll say this about Mac Jones: a lot of people look at him and say, "Oh, he's they're not asking him to do a lot. He all he can do is this and that." Well, that's exactly how they ushered things in with Brady. That's how I think Seattle kind of ushered things in with Russell Wilson. That's how Pittsburgh rushed, uh, you know ushered things in with Ben Roethlisberger. They won a Super Bowl with not asking Roethlisberger to do a whole lot. I think it's not a bad thing to not put everything on a rookie quarterback's shoulders. The things that they are asking him to do, he is doing and doing well. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. To your point, at some point, a defense needs to force the hand and make Mac Jones be the one that beats them, similar to how Kansas City was like, well, we're not going to let Josh Allen beat a thief. And then the Bills counter that this season as well. So that that is the next step here. But I, I don't think it should be such a negative that Mac Jones isn't throwing like what Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert or those guys have done in the past. Uh, he's doing what is being asked of him, and he's doing it well because the running game has been effective. The offensive line has done a good job. And defensively, they are doing things against good teams. I mean, Dallas looks a little, you know, whatever now. But they didn't earlier in the season, and they handled things really well against the Cowboys. Same things with Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. They've fit Justin Herbert they made look terrible, even though he kind of got in a little lull. They've done it against some really good quarterbacks and some really good offenses, and I think that defensively we are seeing certain pieces that they've put into play start to elevate, and we're just seeing Belichick be Belichick. And uh, I think it's going to make for a really, really – interesting matchup that is going to be the difference in the game, in my opinion. It's going to be the Bills offense, which is supposed to be one of, if not the best in the league, versus the Patriots, who their defense is one of, if not the best in the league. John, last thing I have for you, uh, on the Bills defensive side of things, actually, before I even go there, what were your thoughts about um, Isaiah McKenzie coming out of the lineup and, and getting Marquez Stevenson in there, um, the young rookie sixth-round pick? Is, is that something that that you're maybe expecting to see moving forward? Well, I think if they were willing to make that move now, uh, I would have expected to be back that way for Monday night. Um, It's just an interesting dynamic. Yes, Isaiah McKenzie's only fumbled technically once, but he's had some troubles with muffs and things Mm -hmm. like that. It hasn't always been pretty. On the flip side, when he actually gets the ball, he was top five in the NFL in returning yards per average so he's been effective but it hasn't been perfect the thing with me and the whole situation is Sean McDermott was asked about Isaiah McKenzie after the Colts game after he had the fumble and he said I have incredible confidence in Isaiah McKenzie he was asked days later after he announced that the 21 day window for Marquette Stevenson to come off of IR was being started he was once again asked about Isaiah McKenzie. And once again, he gave this great vote of confidence. And then two days later, he's a healthy scratch. To me, it just was an interesting dynamic. You could have maybe just said, as he says with a lot of things, 
Well, we're going to look at everything. Everything is on the table. It's just an interesting thing, especially for a guy who he's given such high praise for this season in regards to the vibe and energy that he brings for this team. And I'll tell you, pregame, he was almost like a sad puppy out there. He was not mm-hmm. really interacting with teammates. He was, he's an emotional guy, and he clearly was taking it hard, which I, I don't blame him whatsoever. And part of me wonders, not that the locker room is going to turn or anything right. like that. I just think it's an interesting dynamic that the head coach repeatedly in a short span says one thing and then makes a big move to the other side of things, mm. which is well in his right. And let's be honest, just from a football side of things, I don't really think Stevenson did anything that would make me say he has earned the right to have that roll over McKenzie the rest of the way. I think maybe he has it again on uh, Monday night, but he must have punt. So, I, I mean, it, it, has, it wasn't clean in the first go-around for Marquez Stevenson, too. My thing would be is I think you need to at least maybe incorporate one of them offensively in some capacity, whether that's we saw like the, the motion game with McKenzie and the Jets and things like that. I thought that was effective. That's been missing Maybe that's because he was a return man. And I think Marquez Stevenson has an interesting role that he could have of a straight-line burner to maybe take the top off. I, I, think, I think it's just an interesting piece that why they're just using them almost exclusively as a return man. I, I would maybe give them a little more run, whoever it may be, offensively. All right, John, uh, listen, yeah, this, this looks like it's going to be a long game today. Uh, Michigan gets on the board first. They score first up 7 nothing here over Ohio State. So kick it up, get some coffee in you, stay awake, stay alert, and uh, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. And, and enjoy your day off tomorrow, uh, if, as long as you, you, know, you don't have to be in the, in the station or anything. But uh, enjoy no, some football I'm, on I'm Red off. Zone or something. I will. I'm going to the world's largest disco tonight. So nice. I'll need some time on the couch. Oh, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll need that for sure, buddy. All right, buddy. Appreciate you as always. Hey, thanks. John Scott there from Spectrum News on the Western Hotline. I made it to break on time, so I'm going to take a timeout so that I can get uh, my man Matt Verderam, a fan side, he's going to join us. We're going to look at this from a larger AFC picture that's coming up next year on WGR. All right, welcome back to the halfway mark here of Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. A uh, a nice weekend to kick it up, watch some NFL football, watch some NFL red zone. I'm going to do some things I don't normally get to do on my Sunday, and I'm certainly not mad at that. Ohio State punting the ball from their own four-yard line, Michigan bringing it back all the way to the 40. This is looking like a bit of a upset potential here in Michigan at the big house. I mean, let's slow down a little bit. The game just started. I know. I'm well aware. I just, you know, I, I listen, this is very weird for me. I hate both of these teams with such a burning passion that it's a roller coaster to know who I'm rooting for in any given moment. I mean, last segment you kind of gave away who I you did, were cheering for. But it's only because I hate Michigan so much. But I right now... I feel like I'm rooting for Michigan, which is a weird thing because I just I hate them so much. Is it because of the fact that that rivalry has become so one-sided as of late? Yeah, that, that maybe I'm almost, you want them to win. Li- yeah, a little bit. Like I'm almost deferring to the underdog a bit. Yeah, you're. It's it's a it's a natural Buffalo thing to do. That's right. Is to defer to the underdog instead of the constant favorite. 
And now here you are thinking, despite the fact that you hate Michigan, you're like, oh, they're so adorable, though. They have a chance. 25 yards down to the down to the 15-yard line, by yep. the way. Let's go to the Western Hotline, though. Let's bring in Matt Verderam, a fan-sided, who's joining me now uh, to talk about the AFC at large. And before we go into any specifics, Matt, let's just pretend the AFC is a dartboard. Are you good at darts, and would you be able to pick the team you are actually going to believe is the actual contender in the AFC, or are you just going to throw it and whoever it lands on is the contender, and that's actually the reality here? <laughs> so first of all, yeah, I, I went to school uh, in Oswego for all your Buffalo listeners, and I played a lot of darts there, a lot of it. By the way, Michigan is three very wayward darts, both going the other way. Um, but... Uh, Yes, I, I enjoy darts. I have a dartboard in my office I'm standing in right now. And I, I would say that in the AFC, um, you could throw a dart at about six different teams and at least be able to make a case for them. Now, I, I don't think there are six teams that legitimately could get to the Super Bowl. I don't think the Chargers can get to the Super Bowl. I think the talent, they think to be able to on a given day. I don't think they can do that three times in a row. Um, Is that a coaching be- thing to you, Matt? Like, because I like Brandon uh, Staley, but how can you have that? Because I agree. By the way, I totally agree with you about the Chargers. I believe that I think they might even be at the very top in terms of like at the roster being the most talented. I mean, Bosa, uh, Herbert's incredible. Both their receivers are really good. Eckler's a top guy. You got on the defensive yep. side of the ball, they got names for days, but they're not really a contender. I, or at least I, I wouldn't argue that they are. And that's got to be on someone, right? Yeah, look, I don't. First of all, offensively, I do think they're very good, but I don't love their scheme. Like, Joe Lombardi, they treat Justin Herbert like he's Alex Smith, which I, I just don't understand. Like, and it's no disrespect to Alex Smith, but they throw the ball at seven yards a play. I forget, it's something on PFF put out there a week ago that his average depth of target is something like seven yards or seven and a half. Like, it's insane. Like, you have Mike Williams, who's six foot five and can jump through the roof. You can never throw him a deep ball. Um, but defensively, I actually diverge a little bit. Like, they have Derwin James, Joey Bosa, and I really like Asante Samuel Jr. Who else is any good on that defense? Who else is even, like, a good, solid starter defensively right. for that team? I mean, Chris Harris, maybe at this point in his career. Like, they just – I think they're going to play a game where they play somebody who can run the ball and it's over. Yeah. Like, that team's just going right. to rush for 250 yards and Herbert's going to the ball for 20 minutes. So that's kind of where I stand on them. Um. How have your feelings of this Buffalo team changed in the last 48 hours learning that Tredavious White is out for the season with the ACL injury? And maybe I'm I'm more on the extreme doom and gloom here. Um, I believe that Tredavious White is probably one of the most underappreciated players at his position in his defense in the league because of the guys that are around him in that defensive backfield being so good, right? Uh, Poyer and Hyde are one of the most undervalued safety tandems in the league, but I'm of the mind, Matt, that they have the freedom to be the players they are because of the competence level of Tredavious White being able to lock down. When, when you have a guy that you trust can lock down the number one receiver, the freedom yep. that affords the guys on the back end, I don't believe is being maybe appreciated enough from this from this Bills fan base. And I know it's like it's like it's like losing a loved one, and you're trying to pick up the pieces here, right? But I, I'm lo- I'm looking at this season, maybe not as completely lost, Matt, because other teams in the AFC have lost major pieces as well. 
but this may not have a larger ripple effect throughout the rest of the defense and roster than a lot of those other injuries are having. Yeah, no, look, first of all, Travis White, you're right, nationally so underrated. I remember writing a couple of years about him, a couple of years ago about him. I thought, other than Jalen Ramsey, he's the best corner in football. And I, I still feel that way. I think people get so enamored with interceptions, like you hear this year about Trayvon Diggs. It, He's defensive player of the year. He's eight picks. So if you watch Trayvon Diggs, look, he is a he's a good player. He gets beat a lot. He gambles a lot and he wins a lot. And that's fun. Like Marcus Peters was like that for years in Kansas City with the Rams. Marcus Peters is a good player. Like certainly one of them on the team. But I don't think anybody ever watched Marcus Peters and went, he's the best corner in football. No, he gets a lot of picks. But Trayvon White, you can do so many different things with him. Losing him, it also look, their safeties are great. I still think they're going to be really good. The problem is, like, I like Teron Johnson. Is he a guy who you're like, he can play your number one receiver? I don't know. Can you put Levi Wallace in a situation now where he's got to bump up the depth chart? The next guy up. Like, there's just, when you lose White, you don't just lose him, but everybody else gets weaker because you're pushing them up a spot in the lineup, so to speak. And, look, I still think the Bills can get to the Super Bowl, but it, it gets a lot harder. Like, that offense is going to have to be more consistent. They can't have Oh, no question. Games. Yeah. They can't have these games where they just go into a malaise. Like, even the Saints game. You see how they won 31-6. The first half of that game, if they were playing anyone competent, that would have been a big problem. Now, the Saints just couldn't move the ball for a foot because they had Trevor Simeon. But, like, th- that's where I fall. Like, Josh Allen and that offense, you got to step up. It can't be every other week where you decide to play football. Matt Verderam here, fan side, joining me on the Western Hotline. We're talking Bills. We're talking AFC Outlook. Where talk about roller coasters? Where have you come? Um, are, are you in the same place I am with the Kansas City Chiefs? Is I I think they're probably the team again to beat in the AFC. I mean, but you talk about roller coasters. I said this yesterday. Looking at the last month, you throw out a game against a, a, a Raiders team, which I don't know that you could throw out. They just beat Dallas, but I, they are right. the Raiders. May not there may not be a team in the league. I look at that as more week to week JV and varsity, like two different teams completely than the Raiders. I mean, they looked. They looked pathetic in that in that match. Let's just put it the way it is. I mean, they looked just bad and and unmotivated, and uh, they just didn't want to play football uh, that day. Um, but you take away that five touchdown performance, and this month has been pretty pedestrian from Patrick Mahomes. And I think them sure. winning despite of that, Matt, makes them the contender that I believe they are because their defense is back to playing a brand of football. They may not be a top-five unit. I'm not saying that. But they don't need to be with this roster. They just need to not be the worst defense of the last decade. And I think yeah. now that they're not there, yeah. they are a team that has legitimacy to me. No, Nate, look, I, I agree. I mean, obviously, I spent a ton of time. I, I came up with business covering them. I still spent a ton of time on them. And I, I think, um, essentially, the first month of the year, six weeks of the year, they could not have been a bigger disaster. And I actually think it, the Bills game actually changed it in a lot of ways because the Bills beat them so bad that they finally just said, all right, fine, we have to change. Like, we cannot continue to do this. And if you look at their personnel since that Bills game, they traded for Melvin Ingram. They kicked Chris Jones back inside, which has changed the entire defense. They... They started playing Rashad Fenton, who they started playing in the second half of that Buffalo game. Rashad Fenton is the number two cornerback in the league on pro football focus. Now, now to be fair, I do not think he's the number two cornerback in the league. But he's, he's been very, very good. He's replaced Mike Hughes, who is not good. Um, you know, Traverius Ward is now healthy. 
Frank Clark's healthy. Willie Gay, who's a name that people should know, second linebacker, he's extremely athletic. He can cover tight ends. You know, in that Bills game, they had Dan Sorensen on Dawson Knox. If they played it today, they would have Willie Gay Jr. on Dawson. So I think the Chiefs are the team to beat in the AFC, but really for the reason you mentioned, it's because of their defense. Like, offensively, they're getting there. They were in such a bad way against the Giants and the Packers, even though they won those games. The Raiders game, they broke out. The Cowboys game, it was weird. they only scored 19 points. But they moved the ball well in the game. They just had turnovers and, and penalties. It just kind of short-circuited them. But um, yeah, right now, I would say they're a slight favorite, only because the rest of the AFC is just – I don't know. Like, I don't buy New England. I'm sorry. I know everybody in the world seems to. Matt Jones does not win the playoff game against Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. I'm sorry. I just – I refuse to believe that until I see it happen. Yeah, I'm with you, man. And and listen, this is a quarterback-driven league. There's no doubt about it. And the quarterbacks right now in the AFC, um, it's weird because we're talking about the Chargers in that they have one of those quarterbacks and Justin Herbert, and yet neither yep. of us really believe in them. And, and I think that is sort of – it's almost trumping what it is we're talking about here, which is you need the quarterback to be taken seriously, but some of these teams with the quarterbacks aren't be take, aren't actually being taken seriously. And, and as a whole in this AFC, like I keep looking at the Titans, and I know we talked about this last time, but they're winning football games. They just lose, I know, uh, to, to Houston, which was a bad loss. How much – because let's be honest, Brian Tannehill's not in the same conversation we're talking about either. Um, and he's no. been exposed in that way. But where are you with the Titans in this whole conversation? Because they don't have the quarterback, but they're still winning football games. They're still first in the division or in the conference. Does that end Sunday? When are they going to lose the Patriots? They're going to they're going to get crushed by New England. And I just said I don't even believe in New England. New England, one thing about them that makes them very dangerous in any game they play is who stands on the sideline. You just never know what scheme you're getting, what they're going to do. And Belichick is amazing at taking your best player away. Who's the best offensive player right now in Tennessee that's going to play in that game? They don't have A.J. Brown. They don't have Julio Jones. They don't have Derrick Henry. Like, who is it? Anthony Ferkser? I mean, who are they taking away in that game? I, got, I don't think they're going to score. And by the way, you know, we mentioned Tannehill. And I like Tannehill on the, for the most part. He has 13, 12, uh, 13 touchdowns and 12 picks this year. Like, he is... He has not been very good. I mean, they have not thrown for big yardage even when they've had their receivers. So, like, I think the Titans are a team that can win a playoff game. I don't think they're more than that. I don't even care if they get the one seed. Which, by the way, I don't think they're going to get. But even if they got that, I don't think they're going to win more than a game. It's just they're too limited offensively. I look at the AFC, and, and this is, I think, with Mahomes and that defense, the Chiefs could absolutely win a Super Bowl. Buffalo, even with losing Travis White, because of who the quarterback is, because of the coaching staff, they can win. My, again, I think they've got to be more consistent offensively. And defensively, they've got to get a pass rush. If they don't get a pass rush, we're losing white, they're dead. Um, the, the Ravens, I like the Ravens. Jackson's been better this year throwing the ball, but mm-hmm. they're the worst pass defense in football. Yeah, it's insane. Like, it's insane. It's just, I mean, at some point, and that's, that's why you, you, know, you said the quarterbacks are leading you right. <clears throat> but that's why I don't buy them or the Chargers in the, in the grand scheme of things because, yeah, you have a good quarterback. You can't stop anyone. Yeah. I mean, the same reason I didn't buy the Chiefs until about two or three weeks ago. You've got to get off the field. Those teams just cannot stop the opponent. Matt, last thing I have for you in this uh, kind of greater AFC picture here, and, and I'm glad you brought up the Ravens because that was sort of my next my next stop for you here, was the Baltimore Ravens. And, and short of that defense, and, and I still think the inconsistencies that exist with 
you know, I, I was reading uh, a tweet from um, Football Outsiders, right? And they, mm-hmm. they, their model essentially has shown that the Bills are the most inconsistent team they've ever tracked. They, at times, have been the best team DVOIs in the league and the worst mm-hmm. DVOA team in the league in, in a week-to-week-to-week span. And I think I look at, in that same breath of talking about the inconsistencies that exist for each of these teams in the AFC, because that's really what we're talking about here. The storyline is the inconsistencies that exist across the board for all of these teams. But there may not be a better example of a player embodying this argument or this narrative than Lamar Jackson, because at points this year, Matt, he has done all the things that all of his haters say he couldn't do. And then he's also done all of the things that his haters say he can't do, right? So, like, it's hard for me as a, as a pretty long-term, you know, Lamar Jackson defender to come here and tell you that he has curbed all the narratives around him. They still exist because that consistency level we have not seen. And this was the year with everything kind of going wrong, all the injuries are running back, for him to really stamp it out and say, I'm that guy, I'm the guy that you all say I'm not. Having said that, like, do you believe this is a team that he can overcome all of the deficiencies they have? Because at times, he has been able to do it against good football teams. And at other times, he's been just as big as a problem as that defense has been. Yeah. Look, he's, I mean, statistically speaking, he has not been good the last month. And I thought that was interesting when Miami played them. And Miami basically was just like, we're bringing seven every play. We're going to put man coverage out there, beat us. Beat us one time. And I get they have really good corners into Miami. Baltimore couldn't get a yard. I mean, Baltimore cannot do anything in that game. So you're going to get a real interesting uh, picture of them. The next seven weeks, they play Cleveland twice, Pittsburgh twice, Cincinnati on the road, the Rams, and the Packers. Like, that's who the Ravens are looking at down the barrel of the season. So I tend to say I can't rule them out because Harbaugh is a really underrated coach. And Jackson is so unique that if he gets hot in the playoffs – You'll look at them and go, all right, well, they're a really tough match. But the problem is, and this is why I still think Kansas and Buffalo, I still think in the end they're going to see each other in the AFC Championship game. Because I still think that they have the two best quarterbacks in the conference. And I still also believe those two teams know how to win playoff games. I mean, Kansas has won a million of them in the last half of the year. Buffalo got there last year. The year before that, you know, they were in there. They had a weird loss. should be Houston. But fine, it's a learning experience. Like, yeah, all right, Kansas City certainly has the experience factor over everybody, but the Bills, like, if the Bills were to get to the one seed, which I don't think is out of the question, although they're going to have to do work in the next few weeks, um, they could absolutely go to the Super Bowl. I, I just, I have a hard time believing in these teams that never win. Herbert's never been in a playoff game. Lamar's entire playoff experience, other than one win in Tennessee, where he was not all that great even in that game, is just losing. I mean, he went to Buffalo, they couldn't score a touchdown. I still think to me, if you said, hey, you got to bet your mortgage, who's in the AFC title? Kansas City and Buffalo are the two best teams in that conference, and they're the two most complete teams uh, in terms of their rosters, their experiences, their coaching, all of it. Yeah, I, listen, I, I, it's the one thing that I gives, gives me still the sliver of hope is just this AFC is such a crapshoot, Matt. And, you know, each of these teams – and I said this to my producer when I started the show, kind of saying, I, I, without Tredavious White, I think my take right now, and this is my take, it doesn't have to be shared, I just think without Tredavious White, this doesn't scream Super Bowl roster to me. And I, I just think it's because of that ripple effect. And, and, and sort of what I said in this was, um, 
the AFC, you can say right now today on the 27th of November that there is no elite AFC team, and I probably agree with you, but give it five weeks everyone will have a favorite. And I think that's the interesting yep. thing about the rest of the season is the things that are going to take place over the next five weeks in December, this is where champions tend to separate themselves anyways. It's not November. So it's just there's more teams in the conversation than ever before, but it doesn't necessarily mean the AFC is bad. It just means there's more people in the middle, and one or two of them absolutely in my mind, Matt, and if this doesn't happen, then maybe I'll change my take. But like we're going to find out whether the Chiefs, the the Chargers, the Bills, the Patriots, the Titans, one of these teams is going to really take a run in December here, and we'll learn that over the next five weeks. But right now, it's not that crazy to not know who is the team in the AFC, right? No, not at all. And You know, I've, I've talked to people all the time in the league who will tell you, um, look, Thanksgiving is the demarcation line in the NFL. Hmm. That's when, if you're a contender, you start to really crank it up. And I think you know, like for Buffalo, they play New England here on Monday Night Football next weekend. Like, you got to win that game. You have to win that game. If you are a contending team, you got to go out, and even if New England's on a six-game win streak, whatever, like, you got to win the game. you got to beat them. Um, you know, that's a team that shouldn't even be able to take advantage of the fact that White's out because they have no receipts. So you've got to win that game. Yeah. You know, Kansas City comes out of his bye week. Broncos at home, Raiders at home, Chargers on a Thursday night on the road. Beat them. Like, got to win those games. You should beat the Raiders and the Broncos at home. You should beat the Chargers. It's a team that the first time they played them, the Chiefs had 500 yards of offense and scored 23 points. They had four red zone turnovers. Like, go in that game. Um, you know, I, I think that's what we will see. You know, I mentioned the Ravens schedule is really hard. But, I, again, I always defer when I don't know, what, you know, my, my strong stance on something. Who are the quarterbacks? Who are the coaches? Who are these – like, I – I just I can't look at Tennessee and say, yeah, I think they're going to make a deep run. Well, based off what? They're missing a million guys, and the quarterback is one more touchdown than INTs. I still think Buffalo is really good. I will say, though, the Bills, my biggest concern with them right now is up front. They've got to get home. Yeah. But they've got to get – you can't – if they played a team with a big-time quarterback in the playoffs right now, they'd have, that, that would be, to me, their biggest problem. <laughs> the guys going to have three seconds to throw the ball. If that happens – Death. It's done. You've yeah. got to throw the football. So we'll see. I, but again, you know what? The Chiefs looked dead in the water a month ago. Look yep. where they are now. Right. Like these things, I, Kansas City couldn't stop a nosebleed for seven weeks. And then the Chiefs go out and completely emasculate Dallas on national television. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, and by the way, this is your point about the NFC, everybody's talked about Dallas at least as much as two weeks ago. Are they the best team in football? They, I mean, the Raiders just beat them in their own building, and the Chiefs destroyed their offense. I mean, you know, look, I, I don't think the NFC, by the way, is that great either. Like, yeah, really I agree with at, you. You know, I, Green Bay, I think, is probably the best team. They're missing a million guys. The Rams, week to week, don't look great. The yeah. Bucks lost to Trevor know. Simeon. Right, right. I mean, I, everybody <laughs> talks about the NFC like it's some dominant conference. Like, right. I don't know. I mean, is it? I, I mean, the, probably, the, probably this is all you know about this year. The best team in football to this point is Arizona. Yeah, they have wins that are really impressive. They've got MVP candidate. At least they did until Murray got hurt. Yeah, they have all these things. Does anyone think they're winning the Super Bowl? I am yet to find one person who's like my team's Arizona. Yeah, I mean it's a good nobody. Point. It's There's a good point. A soul who's picking them to win the Super Bowl. So I just look at it. I just who's healthiest come January? Who's who's hot? Who's got the bye week? And all those things. I, and that's why 
why I'm not counting out a team like Buffalo. Yeah, it's it's an awful loss to lose White, but you're telling me if Allen gets on a heater for three weeks in right. January, that team can't go to the Super Bowl? Yeah. Like, no, I, I, I can't go there. I'm I'm with you there, and it's got it. This this is this is about Allen. Like if Allen goes on his MVP run right here, yeah, I'm not talking about right. I mean, but that's that's what has to happen. And I and I just think from what I've seen this year with the offensive line help that he's not getting, I, I just don't know how he goes mm-hmm. in that run. And that's where my maybe lack of confidence comes from. But Matt, I appreciate you, boss. Thank you so much. You're always so um so great with your time. You're always willing to come on with me, and I really appreciate you, man. Have a good thanks. Uh, get the good rest of your Thanksgiving weekend here, and enjoy some football this weekend. And we'll do it again soon. Hey, absolutely. Anytime. Take Thanks, care. buddy. Appreciate you. Matt Verderam, a fan side there. i got to take a time out. And then we got uh, Ben Baby of ESPN. He covers the Bengals. We'll get a look at the Bengals, who I-, I guess not a lot of people are talking about either. So we'll do that next year on WGR.